Welcome to Fanatics Football, a football segment of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm your host once again, James, and I'm joined once again by Nate, Terry, and Mete. What's up, boys? So, Going. All right. Uh, let's just jump right into it. Today, we're going to be talking about the AFC North Division, a uh, big division in football, a lot of tough teams in this division. We'll be going over a fantasy preview for this division. We'll also be doing a full outlook of every uh, area of each team in this division, and we'll sort of just project where the teams are at. And then we'll sort of finish off with projecting a divisional record for each team in this division. So uh, let's just jump right into it. Let's start with the fantasy preview. And I'm going to start with the first team, the Baltimore Ravens. And I'll just talk about their quarterbacks in fantasy. Um, The quarterback I'm going to talk about is Lamar Jackson. Um, I think he's one of the safest quarterbacks out there in fantasy. He's got a great rushing floor. So uh, even if he doesn't pass for a whole lot of yards, he'll still have good production. Um, He's pretty much a top five uh, quarterback in my eyes, and he has upside to be the number one overall quarterback, which we saw in his MVP winning season. So, um, I mean, he's as safe as as quarterbacks get, and I think that you should be pretty confident when drafting him in fantasy. Um, So let's just jump right to the running backs. Um, Mete, let me get to you, I guess. So who's fantasy relevant from the Ravens? Yeah, so I looked at their two main guys. Uh, the first one being J.K. Dobbins. I believe he had an amazing rookie year. He got to 805 rushing yards on 134 attempts, and that comes out to six yards per carry, and he also had nine touchdowns. So uh, he was a very efficient runner, and with Mark Ingram gone now, he should probably be the the starter there and see uh, 200 plus carries this season and in deep leagues I'd say he's more of a RB1 and in shallower leagues he's probably an RB2 and then the second guy I looked at was Gus Edwards uh, Gus Edwards he also had a very solid year in 2020 uh, just like uh, Dobbins he was very efficient he needed 144 carries to get to 723 rushing yards, which comes out to five yards per carry. So uh, the runners in the Baltimore offense, they're very efficient. They don't need too many touches to get you points. And uh, again, Mark Ingram leaving uh, leaves more touches for Gus Edwards. And uh, honestly, last season, the Ravens, I feel like didn't really have a starting running back. They were like splitting the carries three ways. And so it'll be kind of tough to see how they uh, run their offense this season. But I think J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are safe bets. And for Edwards, I uh, should probably be a running back too at best in most leagues. And uh, he'll usually be around like a flex or uh, running back three option, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think both running backs have good value heading into this season. I feel like a lot of people are sort of sleeping on them because they're sharing the role, but I think uh, they might be maybe a lesser version of what we're going to talk about when we get to Cleveland. But um, Terry, let me just get to you now uh, when it comes to the wide receivers on this Ravens team for fantasy. Uh, Situation in fantasy, three guys I got in mind, Hollywood Brown, uh, Rashad Bateman, and Sammy Watkins. 
Hollywood Brown, ever since he entered the league, he was a wideout one for this for Maryland State. And let's not forget that with the addition of Bateman, his targets may go down. And it may put a dent into his fantasy production, but I won't also be surprised if there's a surprise inflation or deflation in his targets as well. Uh, easily high wideout four, low wideout three, if anything. With Bateman, on the other hand, Minnesota product did have an off year due to the injury, I believe. He only had five games. But in 19, I think he went for 60 receptions, 1,200 passing, not passing, reception yards with the 11 touchdowns. Um, picking him up, Bateman-wise, on draft night, uh, it may be an interesting option. Honestly, I got him as a low wideout four, high wideout five. And then Sammy Watkins, uh, I think we've all been saying it. Your best ability is your availability. And with Watkins, I feel like that's the label that a lot of people give him. Um, he could easily be a flex option when healthy. But honestly, with the guys ahead of him on depth chart, I got him at wideout six. Yeah, I feel like you were spot on there, I guess, with your projections. I feel like that, like you said about Watkins, he's very, um, like, not dependable when it comes to his health. Um, it's one of those boomer bust wideouts as well. Like, he can't go off for, like, a three-touchdown, 150-yard game and then maybe only have a couple catches the next game. So maybe if you're in best ball, you might want to take a look at him there. Um, but I guess other than that, let's just get into the tight ends for the Ravens, Nate. Let me get to you. So um, I guess for the tight ends, I have Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. Um, Mark Andrews, he's easily a tight end uh, one this season. He had an amazing um, season last year. I think he got 10.1 fantasy points per game last year. And he only started two, two games as well. He played 14 games and only started two, which considering he got 10 fantasy points per game with um, that amount of starts, that's really good. So... Um, if you, if he falls to you in the draft, definitely uh, pick him up. And for Nick Boyle, um, his, I guess, um, value is kind of going to depend on, um, how healthy Mark Andrews is. Um, I guess if there are some days that Mark Andrews is resting, um, maybe you can pick Nick Boyle up off the waiver and then uh, put him in your roster, but I wouldn't really recommend drafting him for now. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I feel like Nick Boyle is more of that blocking tight end and Mark Andrews sort of that pass catcher. So uh, you probably want to think about that when you're drafting tight ends from this team, uh, but let's just move on to the next team. Let's uh, step into the Cincinnati Bengals uh, here for fantasy. Uh, Terry, uh, let me start with you. Um, talk about the quarterback situation there. Joey Burrow. I mean, unfortunately, he did go down with the ACL injury last year. He was a high quarterback, too, in the fantasy rankings. His mobility might be limited in week one, but he has a tremendous trio of wideouts down in Cincinnati. On his team, he could easily be a borderline quarterback, two and quarterback one range, if anything. And if he doesn't start the season on time, I just assume that we fade Brandon Allen. Hey, Brandon Allen, uh, honestly, I don't really pay attention to the scheduling until the week before. But yeah, fade him at most. Honestly, a ton more waiver wire options you could choose from besides the guy. 
Yeah, I think that Joe Burrow is a solid option. Like you said, he could be a low-end QB1 for fantasy. Obviously, we don't know what his status is going to be when he comes back from injury. So maybe don't uh, have him as your only QB option. Maybe if you draft him, maybe draft another guy behind him, whatever, just in case. Like we said, he might not start week one. We don't know what his status is. But uh, definitely when he's in the lineup, he's been very solid. We saw that in his first season. So um, let's just get to the running backs now. Uh, Nate, let me get to you. Um, What options do we have from the Bengals? for fantasy so i put down um joe mixon for running back um he had an again he had a a pretty good season except for the fact that he got injured but um based on what he uh did do in his um six games he got 14.8 fantasy points per game so um again it's I guess uh, whether he'll be able to get that will depend on how healthy he is this season. But assuming he's fully healthy, um, he should be a running back too. And I guess um, for, I guess any other running running back, for example, uh, I guess his name is Samaji Perrine, if I'm saying his name correctly. Um, it's going to also depend on how healthy Joe Mixon is. So it's going to be a similar situation to Nick Boyle. Um, maybe take him off of the waiver if you see that Joe Mixon is injured. Yeah, the way you were talking about Joe Mixon there with that points per game, I think we might even be sleeping on him a little bit. Um, I know the offensive line isn't the best uh, in Cincy, but I mean, with that kind of production, he could be a borderline RB1 heading into next season in standard leagues. So uh, definitely a guy to look out for. Um, let me just get to the Bengals wideouts now. Uh, this is an interesting situation. Like Terry mentioned, there's three main guys that you want to look at when it comes to fantasy for this team. Uh, the first one is going to be T. Higgins. I feel like he had a, a coming out party last season, sort of a breakout in his rookie year. And um, I know some people think that Jamar Chase might be the number one guy. I actually think T. Higgins will start out as the number one guy for this team. I feel like that him and Joey Burrow have sort of built up something already from last season. And I feel like the coaching staff also knows him a lot better than Jamar Chase. So um, I think that uh, T. Higgins, his floor is going to be a wide out three this season. Um, I mean, especially if this team's uh, down in games, they're going to be passing a lot. Um, you might even have wide receiver two upside. Um, so definitely a must draft uh, in pretty much every league. Um, and then getting to Jamar Chase, um, stud rookie for this team, I believe fifth overall, he was drafted in the 2021 draft. Um, obviously, he has that connection with Joe Burrow um, from college. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, he should be a low end wide receiver three. Um, obviously we don't know uh, how many snaps he's going to get to start the year. So maybe, uh, draft him for your bench, maybe for your flex to start, and then maybe move him up from there, depending on how he plays. But yeah, um, he's got that high end talent. Like I talked about, maybe wide receiver two, um, maybe wide receiver one, if he sort of becomes like what Justin Jefferson was for Minnesota last year. So definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, And then the third guy is Tyler Boyd. Um, I'm not sure whether they're going to run him out of the slot uh, like they usually do, or maybe they're going to run him out wide. Um, either way, he's pretty safe uh, wide out three. I'd say all of these receivers are safe wide out threes. And then you just got to sort of monitor the targets from there to see, um, I guess, where uh, he's going to end up for fantasy. But yeah, go ahead and draft all these three guys, especially if the Bengals are going to be throwing the ball a lot. And um let me just get to you, uh, Mete, on the tight ends for fantasy for this team. 
Yeah, so the tight end situation in Cincinnati is kind of rough. And so if you're going to look at one guy for the Bengals, you should probably take a look at Drew Sample as he's listed as the starting tight end in Cincinnati. But honestly, I wouldn't draft him unless you're in a deep league. So uh, I'd draft him in a league where there's more than 14 teams, I'd say. And then uh, he only had one touchdown last season, and he would he was only averaging 8.7 yards per catch. So it's not the greatest numbers, but I guess he has the uh, age factor going for him. He's entering his third season, I believe. So maybe he'll turn it around. Who knows? Yeah, for sure. I, I think you're right about that. There's not really much to offer from this team, and it's definitely something that needs to be monitored, I guess, as the season goes along. But let's just move on to our next team. Let's move to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Nate, I'm going to start with you, I guess. What can we expect for quarterbacks from this team in fantasy? So I guess the starting quarterback is going to be uh, Baker Mayfield this year. Um I think last season he got 15.5 fantasy points per game. So that would pro- make him most likely a quarterback to in most leagues. I think even in like deeper leagues, you should probably try to draft him as low as possible. And then that would probably give you the best value for Baker if you try to draft him a little bit lower. Yeah, I think that he's one of those guys that sort of um, does a lot of play action. So this is a run-heavy team, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I think you're, you're pretty much spot on there. He's, he's sort of a backup quarterback if you're drafting him. Um, yeah, and pretty much he's that bi-week fill-in. You know, you look for a good matchup and maybe you play him. Maybe he gets you 20 points that week. But then other than that, he's sort of going to take a back seat to the rush game. And uh, speaking of the running backs for the Browns, um, I'll just get right into it. Um, I have here their two guys, obviously. I'll start with Nick Chubb. Uh, in my mind, he's a solid uh, RB1 for fantasy. Um Although he does have Kareem Hunt behind him, I'm not worried about carries because he is very efficient with his carries. Uh, I know we talked about the Ravens' efficiency. I feel like they're they're pretty much a model. Um, they're sort of striving to be what the Browns' uh, runners are. Um, I feel like Nick Chubb's solid uh, running back one. Obviously, his ceiling is capped uh, with Kareem Hunt running behind him, but if you draft him um, in the first round, uh, maybe um, late second round of your draft, can't go wrong with him as you're starting running back for your team it's going to be really solid and then looking at Kareem Hunt um, I'd say he's a pretty high-end running back three flex option for sure Um, and then he definitely has a running back one upside if any injury happens with Nick Chubb he would just sort of slot into that starting role obviously uh, he didn't play as well in it last season as he did Um, running behind Chubb maybe it's because he was getting uh, preferable looks but either way um, he's still very valuable so definitely a draft Kareem Hunt in that range and um, I guess moving to the wideouts now um, Mete let me just get to you Uh, what's Cleveland's wideout situation for fantasy yeah so they've got great wide receivers I believe and the first guy is Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, He's coming off a gruesome injury which held him out most of the second half of the actually all of the second half of the 2020 season and then I noticed that when Odell Beckham Jr. uh, plays more than 10 games in a season he always reached a thousand yards so if he's playing 
in the double digits uh, for games. He's going to get you a lot of points, and he's really reliable. And honestly, he's the number one target in Cleveland, so I think he's a wide receiver one in every league. And then uh, the second guy I looked at was Jarvis Landry, also a very solid and uh, dependable receiver as – uh, I think he's only missed one game in his career. I noticed last season he didn't play the full 16, and every other uh, season he was playing 16 games. So uh, a very dependable guy. Uh, even with uh, Baker Mayfield getting a year older, probably means that he's going to improve. So that should uh, help the Cleveland wide receivers as well. I think he's a wide receiver too in deep leagues, and a wide receiver three or flex option in shallow leagues. And then the third guy I looked at was Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, I feel like he might be in for a breakout season, honestly. I think he's the punt returner in Cleveland. He's got a chance to be uh, to win the number three spot in Cleveland. So uh, it's kind of looking good for him. He didn't get too many snaps on offense last season, but when he did play, uh, his yards per reception was over 20 yards, so he's got big play potential and it could break out this season, so look out for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely like what you said about Odell Beckham, wide out one. I guess if some people are scared to sort of draft him at that price, uh, you can definitely look at him as a wide out two as well, you know, because if you're scared of maybe he might get injured again. Also, like you mentioned, Landry is one of those safer options when it comes to being healthy. And then I guess you're assuming that Peoples-Jones is going to beat out Rashard Higgins for the number three spot. Is that correct? Yeah, I just have a feeling he should win the third spot in Cleveland. All right. And yeah, I think that Peoples-Jones does have that upside, especially as a a deep ball receiver, punt returner, all that. So I definitely think he'll be uh, great this season. And um, Terry, let me get to you now for the tight ends in fantasy for the Browns. For the Browns, I got two guys in mind. First guy, I got to go with Austin Hooper. He is the bigger name. Um, Ever since OJ or OBJ got injured, everyone was assuming Hooper would have got more targets. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Browns have an interesting amount of talent at tight end, and Austin Hooper isn't a slouch. But his quarterback isn't paying them any attention when they're on the field. Honestly, I got him at tight end, too. Other guy is a little bit more interesting to me personally. I got Harrison Bryant. Uh, he has an interesting future, as I was saying. Um, if they go a little bit younger at tight end, he can easily be a starter if Austin Hooper's production isn't up to the standard of the team. only thing he has to worry about is the former holdout, uh, David Njoku. And honestly, uh, if he's still a backup, I got him at waiver wire. Same with David Njoku as well. Yeah, you pretty much covered everything there. I think that uh, the main guy to look at is Austin Hooper for this team at tight end, but I guess dial back your expectations. As I mentioned, this team uh, really relies on the run for the most part when it comes to offense. And uh, let's just move to the last team in this division for fantasy, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, This time, Etienne, I'm going to start with you. Just break down the quarterback situation there for fantasy. Yeah, so it should be Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger as their starter as he's entering his uh, age 39 season, but I still think he's a great quarterback. He's never really relied on his athleticism, so even though he's getting up there, I think he should be fine. Uh, 
one thing that's concerning about him is his health. Uh, I noticed he's only finished four seasons playing 16 games. So outside of those four seasons, he hasn't been playing all season. And so I'd probably draft him as a late quarterback too, especially in shallow leagues. Yeah, I think that that's pretty much what we're going to see from Ben at his age. I feel like that he doesn't have as much upside like you mentioned because he's kind of old and he won't be able to use his legs as much. So I definitely see that. And then, uh, Terry, let me just get to you for the running backs for the Steelers. Uh, Two running backs come to mind. First guy, Najee Harris. Uh, This guy's giving everyone a headache in the Steelers organization just by going to practice every single day. Uh, but if the hype is, lives up to the standard, easily probably a low running back one, high running back two. I believe in Bama, if that's where he played at in his college years, I think 1,800 total yards, if anything, plus the 30 touchdowns. So that ain't nothing to sneeze at. Second guy, if anything, God forbid Najee Harris get injured, knock on wood. You got Benny Snell Jr., if anything. Uh, in his time being the backup down in Steeler County, uh, he does usually pop into that starting role and just produces. But unfortunately, he isn't going to be the consistent guy that you're hoping for, especially if you get Najee Harris. Unfortunately, waiver wire pickup for Penny Snell. Yeah, for sure. I feel like Najee Harris is sort of in that position for a breakout rookie year. Obviously, um, a lot of us are sort of projecting him around the area where James Conner was. I mean, Connor was just never really healthy. So hopefully, like you mentioned, Najee Harris can stay healthy for this team. And yeah, if he's healthy, he should have, he should be in a good position to produce at either an RB1 or RB2 level. So I definitely like what they got there. Um, let me just move to the wideouts, Nate, uh, for the Steelers team in fantasy. So uh, for wide receivers, I have Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh I guess I'll talk about uh, Deontay Johnson first. Um, I think last year he got 11.9 fantasy points per game. So basically 12 fantasy uh, points per game. I think that was the highest out of all the wide receivers on the Steelers. So um, the lowest you'd probably want to draft him is like maybe a wide receiver too. I think he's like... Yeah, maybe like a wide wide receiver too. And um, I guess I'll go to Chase Claypool um, next. I feel like he has a lot of potential, potentially more than Deontay Johnson, but uh, Deontay is probably going to get more targets. So there's that. I think Chase Claypool got 11.5 fantasy points per game, but he only started six games and he played all 16. So... Uh, considering that he's going to be this um, a starting wide receiver this season, his production should go up. So he's also a wide receiver too, I think. And for um, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think he was he had a similar um, fantasy points per game to Chase Claypool, if I'm not mistaken. He got 11.6, so almost the same. So. Again, you could probably take him as maybe, uh, I guess, a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three, depending on how how you feel like he's going to perform this year. Yeah, I feel like that 
this receiver receiving room is kind of uh, bunched up. Uh, Deontay Johnson should be the starter, like you said, around a low end uh, tight end, uh, a low end uh, wide receiver two, and then probably Claypool and Smith Schuster after that. But yeah, um, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they use these three receivers. And I'll just jump into the tight ends. There's not really a lot to talk about here for fantasy, but I will start with Eric Ebron. Um, I feel like that he's pretty much a low-end tight end too. You draft him as your backup. Uh, he'll probably get about f- maybe three or four targets a game, potentially some red zone looks. So that's sort of what you're trying to bank on is him to be able to get that touchdown. Um, and then Pat uh, F- uh, Freermuth, uh a rookie that they drafted in the second round uh, in the 2021 draft. Honestly, um, it's just going to depend on how they use him. If they want to run two tight end sets, that might lower, I guess, the the ceiling for someone like Smith Schuster because he might not be on the field as much. So um, definitely that's something to keep an eye on. Um, if Juju's getting a lot of the snaps, then obviously Freermuth is going to be on the bench. And then if Freermuth's in the game, probably going to see a lot of Juju on the bench. So definitely keep an eye on that. Um, or else Freermuth is just should be left on the waiver wire, in my opinion. I feel like you, we got to see what his role is. Uh, so um, that's pretty much our, our take for fantasy for this division. So let's just move right into sort of the division preview um, Mete, let me start with you. Just looking at the quarterback situations in this division, just rank them out. All right. So for number one, I went with Baltimore. So they've got 29 MVP and Lamar Jackson. I believe he's the best quarterback in the division as he can hurt you with his arm and, and his legs. Uh, I know he's yet to throw for over uh, 3,127 yards, but I believe as time goes on, his arm talent will get better and so I'm just banking on him uh, progressing as a thrower and also in the past two seasons uh, he rushed for over a thousand yards which is unreal at the quarterback position I think there's been only three seasons uh, that a quarterback has run for over a thousand yards and Lamar Jackson owns two of those seasons and then the second guy I went with was Ben Roethlisberger for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I was about to put him at number four, but due to his um, longevity and how he's been really good all his career, I had to give him the respect and put him at number two. Uh, Like I was talking about him earlier, even though he's going into his uh, age 39 season, I think he's still really good because He's a big guy. He doesn't really rely on his athleticism, so he'll be able to stand in the pocket, take some hits, and still get the ball downfield. And I feel like whenever the Steelers are have him available, they're always in the game. Uh, they're always uh, in the playoff hunt. And, yeah, so number three, I went with the Cleveland Browns. And uh, Baker Mayfield, he probably – doesn't have the flashiest numbers, but he did improve as a better decision maker as he threw a career low in interceptions uh, at eight interceptions. So that's a positive sign. And the return of Odell Beckham Jr. should definitely help him out. So because uh, Beckham Jr. is definitely a difference maker. And then number four was the Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Barrow. Honestly, Joe Burrow is not even bad, but he's coming off a terrible ACL injury. 
So this could limit his mobility, and he might not be the same uh, quarterback as we saw in the rookie season, but uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, I think you pretty much covered everything there. Yeah, a lot to take from that. Um, I'll just bounce it to you, Nate. I guess, uh, what do you see for the quarterbacks in this division? So I also had um, Ravens at one and Steelers at two. Um, I think Lamar Jackson's the most talented quarterback in the division. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, like Mete said, um, he's mostly fo- he's mostly like a passing-oriented quarterback. So as long as he can throw the ball, he should be fine. And he's big enough to take hits as well, which is always, always good. And I actually put um joe burrow third mostly because of his talent i think um baker i feel like he's he's not necessarily like the most talented quarterback but he knows how to use what he has in order to get the job done if that makes sense i but like joe burrow in terms of like athleticism and stuff like that um that's kind of what joe burrow um brings to the table so it kind of depends on um if you like um, the athleticism side of it more, or do you like kind of um, just using um, what you have, being a really good leader, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, you're probably the most honest Browns fan that I've ever met. <laughs> Putting Baker at fourth, like I don't like if you look at some of these like celebrity Browns fans, like the Miz, they probably would have had Baker at number one, probably. But I mean, for you to put him at number four, that's that's pretty crazy. But yeah. Um, I can't uh, go with you, even though I do agree that uh, Joe Burrow is more talented than Baker Mayfield. I just feel like Mayfield's experience is just a little bit higher. Plus, Mete talked about the injury, so I'm just going to go through mine. Obviously, Ravens at one, Lamar Jackson, former MVP, uh, back-to-back 1,000-yard rusher. I mean, you can just go down the list of his accomplishments already at such a young age. He is number one in this division. Number two, I put Ben Roethlisberger also. I feel like that his experience has won uh, Super Bowls. I mean, like there's no reason why he isn't number two. I mean, the guy threw for over 500 yards in the playoffs last uh, season. and or, Sorry, 500 yards in only one game. So, uh, I mean, the guy can still play. There's no doubt about that. He's been on a crazy diet, Tom Brady-level diet to try and get back into shape. So he's serious about playing well this season. So I have the Steelers at number two. Like I said, Browns are at number three just because of Baker's experience, as well as they have a solid backup in Keenum. I feel like if anything happens to Baker, they have a guy that's won playoff games, so they could always throw him in there. So they have a good tandem in there. So I like them at number three. And then obviously I have the Bengals at number four, just because like we mentioned, Burrow is very athletic. Uh, He's very talented, but we just don't know his condition coming out of this injury. So uh, Terry, let me get to you. You're a Bengals fan. I guess, how do you feel about the quarterbacks? Honestly, I was going to start bashing Baker Mayfield this whole time, but then, I mean, Nathan's just came out as honest as he could be, and that just changed my whole mood. So now <laughs> I think I got to be honest with myself. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, number one. Steelers, you got to put Big Ben up there because of his respect. How long has he dominated this whole North division? At three, I got to go with Baker, honestly. Um, it hurts my soul to say that, but... Honestly, after what Nathan said, I can't honestly say it with a straight face my whole entire argument. Um, 
you guys do bring up great points. He does have the experience. Uh, he has the talent around him. Some people may also say that the talent around him does elevate his play because without guys like Jarvis on um, the receiving running backs, even OJB, Odell Beckham, whatever you want to say, uh, honestly, in my mind, I just feel like that just brings the best out of him. And if you put any other quarterback in his situation, they'll thrive just as better. But um, honestly, I got to put Joe Burrow at four at the moment just because of the injury. But watch him just prove all you guys wrong. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that Joe Burrow is going to have to prove a lot of things this coming season. And I mean, uh, I guess another reason why I have Baker a little bit higher, I mean, he's won playoff games. Like he's only in his like, what, third or fourth season. He's already won in the playoffs. I think experience is definitely something that, uh, you can't really quantify it, but I mean, it's it's definitely something that's there. So uh, you definitely don't want to jump over that. Um, I guess, Nate, this time I'll start with you. I guess for skill positions in this division, um, I guess, where do you see each team? It was uh, pretty hard to rank skill positions um, because each team is uh, good at different things. For example, um, the Ravens, they had the highest rush totals Um this season, but they had the lowest reception totals out of um, all the teams in the division. And then the Steelers were basically the exact opposite, highest reception totals, lowest rush totals. Uh, both the Browns and the Bengals were somewhere in the middle. So it really kind of depends on how do you see the roster shaping out. So I decided to put um, Ravens as number one. Um, mostly because of how good they were last season, I guess. And I put the Browns at number two because um, I guess because of partially how they did last season. And I guess I'm kind of anticipating that um, Odell should be able to take the team to another level. And I put the Steelers at three, mostly because um, they have the, I think they have the best passing game in the division. In terms of running backs, they could potentially be um, higher uh, than the Browns, depending on how good uh, Najee Harris is. But um, since we, we haven't really seen how good he can be in the NFL yet, I just kind of decided to, I guess, wait and see how he does. And for the Bengals, honestly, I don't think they're um, bad. It's just it's it's uh, really hard just to kind of – um, compare all the teams so I put them at fourth but I don't think that really reflects um, how good they actually are yeah I think I can agree with you uh, the Bengals do have um, solid pieces there to work with at the skill positions it's just they're in a tough division um, Mete let me jump to you actually uh, in terms of your skill position rankings yeah, so I believe Nate's being kind of hard on the Browns. I have them first in skills. I think they're the most well-rounded uh, for the skills position, definitely. They've got two amazing wide receivers, two great running backs, two solid tight ends. Like, uh, yeah. And then second, I went with Pittsburgh. Like Nate said, they let in receptions and uh, their wide receiver talent shows for that. I think they've got the best depth at wide receiver in their division. Uh, but they're going to be relying on a rookie running back as their starter. And their tight end situation isn't uh, as good as Cleveland. So I put them at two. And then 
Number three, I went with Baltimore. They don't have the best wide receivers, but they did uh, draft Rashad Bateman, who I believe Terry was talking about earlier. And then they've got one of the best tight ends in the game, I feel like, and Mark Andrews. And they have the two great running backs who I talked about earlier in Edwards and Dobbins. So, yeah, I think they're my third. And then for four, I went with Cincinnati. Like Nate was saying, they're actually a pretty solid group, but uh, this division is honestly very talented. So I'm going to be having Cincinnati at four a lot of these times, but it's not because they're bad or anything. It's because the division they're playing in, the three other teams are, they could win the division and they're all playoff contenders in my eyes. So yeah, Cincinnati at four. Yeah, it's just the common theme. I mean, the the Bengals, they're just great at the skill positions, but they're just in a tough division. So uh, it's it's pretty hard to sort of rank them above any of these other teams. So Terry, let me just get to you now um, for the skill positions. I guess, uh, where do you have each team? Honestly, Nathan's too nice of a Browns fan. You can't have nothing negative to this guy. Um, but honestly, I got to put Browns at one. They have so much talent there, as I mentioned before, in the quarterback rankings, that if you put anyone before the Browns, you're probably on drugs. Any <laughs> Second, I got to go with the Ravens. You got Hollywood Brown, Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins. A tremendous trio. And then you got Mark Andrews, who's been doing it at the tight end position for a amount of years now. And then you got that core of running backs that – keeps them going along with Lamar Jackson, even though we're not including Lamar Jackson in skill positions. Anyways, third, we got to go with the Steelers. Uh, they have an interesting trio of receivers, yeah, receivers as well, as well as the kid known as Najee Harris. And then Bengals at four because, honestly, Joe Mixon is getting too – he's he's made of glass is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> On top of that, you got the three – trio of receivers which almost every team in this division has so if you compare the Bengals to the Steelers honestly you still gotta put the Steelers above them because of that young running back that doesn't have a horrible you know injury history but yeah. and, my, and mileage yeah yeah thank you Jesus yeah so um, I think I pretty much agree with you spot on I got the Browns at number one like you mentioned Chubb, Hunt, like we can go through the names, OBJ, Landry, Higgins, Peoples-Jones. Then you got a trio of tight ends. We don't know one might get traded. They might keep all three, Hooper, Bryant, uh, Njoku. So, I mean, you got to go with them at number one. Uh, number two, I also have the Ravens, like you mentioned. Uh, they got Dobbins, Edwards. I mean, it's a solid duo that, you know, it can only be outdone by Chubb and Hunt. So, I mean, they're solid. Like you said, a trio of receivers. You got Watkins, you got Marquise Brown, and you got uh, Rashad Bateman, obviously. So they got some solid guys there. And then tight ends. Uh, uh, I think, Mete, you mentioned that one of the best tight ends in the league and Mark Andrews and obviously Nick Boyle's there as well. So you got to go with them at number two. Number three, Pittsburgh as well. Uh, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Chase Claypool. Obviously, you mentioned Najee Harris. I expect him to have a great rookie season. Uh, like we said, low mileage on him. So uh, low injury history on him as well. So definitely something to look out for. And I mean, they have Ebron uh, Freermuth. So um, two tight ends that are serviceable and they can um, 
uh, I mean, uh, Ebron did make a lot of catches last season. So definitely two guys that uh, I can get behind there. And then uh, Bengals are at number four. But like I said, I mean, uh, they're very talented. Uh, they're just in a tough division. So you got Mixon. Uh, you got uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Drew Sample, C.J. Uzama. But, I mean, they, they just don't stack up against this division. So I have them at number four. But uh, in terms of offensive line, I guess, Terry, this time I'm going to start with you. Um, I guess where do you see the offensive lines in this division? Offensive line before Nathan even acts like the nice person that he is, I got to put Browns at number one. All five of their men are returning to the starting lineup, and their backups are honestly solid and can probably – out well I feel like their backups could easily be starters as well so let's get that out of the way uh Ravens are got at number two they're easily a top 10 uh offensive line fringe wise uh last year the guard play from them was slightly bad but they managed to get an upgrade this offseason on the right guard uh they still need to figure out the left guard situation down in training camp though with Steelers on the other hand it got horrible last year honestly uh I feel like someone left. Mike Pouncey, I believe his name is. And David DeCastro, he wasn't playing up to par, if you get what I mean. Uh, with that said, I feel like they're going to have to develop a lot this offseason or going into this upcoming season to just rank at three. Um, major problems with them, the center and the two tackle positions. Uh Honestly, I would put Bengals at three, but honestly, after what happened to Joe Burrow last year, I can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do have Joe uh, Williams on the left side, which is uh, tremendous. The problem is everything else after that. Uh, they did pick up some help this offseason. I think they drafted Jackson Carmen in the second round from Clemson, Ante Smith at tackle, and then Trey Hill in the sixth round as well. Outside of that, left guard needs help as well. And that's honestly the offensive line for this North division. Yeah, I think that um, you make a great point there about a lot of the teams. But I guess for my rankings, I'm just going to say I have Baltimore at number one. Um, Mete mentioned the running back efficiency. Uh, I think that's probably their best trait is sort of run blocking, I feel like. Uh, Ronnie St uh, Stanley, obviously, uh, really solid. Um, obviously they bring in a Vill Villanova, um, obviously like this line has just been so solid for many years. Um, even though they lose Orlando Brown, I feel like that, uh, it's just because of the amount of depth they had that he couldn't play the position he wanted. So I feel like that they're definitely number one, obviously when your quarterback can rush for over a thousand yards, you're doing something right. So, uh, yeah, I got them at number one. Obviously I have Cleveland at number two. This line is also very solid. Got a lot of good pieces there. Um, uh, I mean, there's not much I can say about them is that, uh, I mean, you barely saw Baker on his back this whole season. That's enough said right there. Um, obviously their run game is so solid. Um, I mean, the efficiency, we talked about that as well for Cleveland's run game also. Um, yeah. Uh, there's no way that uh, Baker could be performing this well uh, behind a different line. So I have them at number two. Um, I was actually going to put Pittsburgh at number four based off of last year, but then I remembered the Bengals are in this division. So I had to put Pittsburgh at number three. Um, obviously they've had to revamp this whole offensive line. We don't know how it's going to look this season. Um, 
am just imagining someone like Najee Harris in his first season trying to run behind this line. I just really don't want to imagine that. So hopefully they do improve and hopefully uh, we can get a decent uh, looking line from them. And then, like I said, I have uh, Cincinnati at number four. Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know what to say uh, besides the fact that they did address this line in the draft. Um, and yeah, I don't know whatever they have to do to sort of get these guys to play well together. They're going to have to do it because like you mentioned, Terry, the way Joe Burrow was just hammered last year, it, it was a pretty much every game. And then that, that turning point game happened against Washington. And then, yeah, it all went downhill from there. So anyways, yeah, I have the Bengals at number four for that reason. Um, Mete, let me get to you uh, for your offensive lines. Yeah, so I went with Cleveland at number one. Uh, they were ranked the best offensive line last season, and I believe they were ranked first against the pass and second against the run. So uh, they have a very solid offensive line, and like Terry said, they're returning all five starters. So it's probably going to be a repeat scenario in Cleveland, I think. And then number two, I went with the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens O-line was one of the best in 2019, but last season they had a rough year. Uh, I know you had, James, you had them at number one, and you were talking about Ronnie Staley. And yeah, I think that's a big uh, addition as he was out with injury last season. So he's going to be helping them out. They also picked up Kevin Zeitler and Alejandro Villanueva. So they'll probably be a better offensive line from last season. And then I actually went with Cincinnati at number three. I know everyone's thinking they're a bad O-line because last season Burrow got hurt and he was running for his life most of the most weeks. But uh, the Bengals have acknowledged that uh, the offensive line is a weak position for them, and so they dra- they've spent some draft capital on that. Uh, like Terry said, they've drafted three offensive linemen, and this should allow for uh, Burrow to have more time to find his receivers and uh, have him scrambling less. And then I went with Pittsburgh at four. Uh, the Steelers had one of their worst O-lines in quite some time. Uh, in 2020, I feel like, and in 2021, it's probably not going to get much better as I think James was talking about how there's some uncertainties there. They've got three new starters and they also lost Pouncey, like uh, Terry said, to retirement and Villanueva signed with their division rivals, Baltimore. So it's looking like a rough offensive line for Pittsburgh. That's a real good joke you had, Mente. Burrow and time in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they even lost to Castro. So, I mean, like three main guys for them for years are, you know, they're just gone. So, it's really tough for Pittsburgh. But, Nate, let me get to you on the offensive lines. So, for offensive line, I looked at sacks allowed. Um, I didn't take into account um, Steelers not having their three um, main guys. So, I guess if they still had the three main guys, Steelers would probably um, be somewhere around number one or close number one because they, I think they were the ranks the highest in terms of having the least sacks allowed. Um, the Browns, they had the second least sacks allowed, which is, I guess, pretty impressive considering um, Baker, he normally 
when he passes, he's normally a little bit farther behind than most quarterbacks, mainly because of his height. Um, so it's, I guess, pretty impressive that they've been able to protect him so well. And the Ravens, they're, I think they were third in terms of sacks allowed, and the Bengals were fourth in terms of sacks allowed. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of what uh, how the Steelers were able to have the least sacks allowed. I mean, I think Ben Roethlisberger had one of the quickest releases out of quarterbacks this past season. Um, I think that uh, that was one of the main reasons. So I'm probably thinking that you'd probably have Pittsburgh at number three, I guess, if you took into if you took that into account. Um, so I, I guess you, you did have a similar take than most of us. Um, I guess just getting to the front sevens, I guess, Mete, this time I'm going to start with you. I guess, how do you see them in this division? Yeah, so for number one, I'm with Pittsburgh, and they go from having the worst O-line to having the best front seven. Uh, and so I think rookie Alex Smith, or last year, so sophomore this year, uh, Alex Smith, he had a great year for the Steelers. Uh, they had four linemen rank in pro football focuses top 32, 32 players at their position. So got an amazing defensive line. And they also have Devin Bush as their inside linebacker. So they got a very solid front seven, probably the best in the league. Uh, number two, I went with Cleveland. Uh, also a very solid front seven. Uh, they just added J.D. on Clowney and Jordan Elliott had a great rookie season last year. So this unit's probably going to get even better. And then number three, I went with Baltimore. They've got a decent front seven, but they lost Yannick Ngakwe and Matthew Judon. So that's probably going to hurt their uh, pressure on the quarterback since those guys were mostly their pass rushers and they do have good run defense though so there is hope in Baltimore and look for Patrick Queen to improve at the linebacker position for Baltimore and then number four I went with Cincinnati uh, I feel like they've got a weak front seven but there's hope as they're going to be getting DJ Reader back uh, he's going to be returning from injury after only playing five seasons, uh, five games in the 2020 season. And I know they have big hopes for him as he had a great 2019 season. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely am pretty much spot on with you. Um, I have the Steelers at number one, obviously just going through all of the names that they have there. Um, and just looking at the sack totals from last year, obviously Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, uh, TJ Watt, uh, Devin Bush, who didn't play most of last season, but he's very solid. Um, Vince Williams, obviously. I know they did lose. Um, his name escapes my mind. Um, Dupree? Yeah, Bud Dupree, sorry. Um, yeah, they. I know he did leave, but this unit's fantastic. I honestly don't think they'll miss a beat. Uh, so I have them at number one. Uh, number two, I have Cleveland also. Um, this unit's fantastic. Miles Garrett, Jordan Elliott, Jadeveon Clowney, obviously uh, really solid. Um, obviously, they added uh, Malcolm Smith. They added uh, Malik Jackson. Uh, th this unit's very solid. Um, adding JOK in the draft as well definitely makes this Browns team even better. Um, he was a first round prospect and they got him in round two. So uh, really fantastic on their part. 
Um, number three, I have the Ravens. Um, obviously, uh, like you mentioned, losing Ngakwe, losing Judon is going to hurt. But, I mean, they still have great pieces there. Uh, Calais Campbell, obviously. Brandon Williams, Derek Wolfe. Um, you talked about Patrick Queen. I think he's fantastic. I think he's one of the best young linebackers in the game. Um, Tyus Bowser was really good last season. Um, I definitely think he's improving every year. So, I mean, they have playmakers there. So uh, I think they are the third best unit. And then uh, I have the Bengals at number four. Um, it's just really tough for me to have them above any of the other teams. Obviously, adding Trey Hendrickson was was really good in this offseason. But I guess other than that, uh, they're pretty young uh, when it comes to their unit. Uh, yeah, they just really need a lot of development. Obviously, Joseph uh, Osai was one of the best prospects uh, in terms of uh, um, addressing their unit. And I think that he's going to jump right into a starting role uh, this year. So um, hopefully the young guys can step up and make this a formidable unit. But yeah, right now I have the Bengals at number four. So uh, Nate, let me just get to you now. So I guess the stats that I looked at were um, opposing rush yards, opposing rush touchdowns, sacks, combined tackles, forced fumbles, basically. Um, I guess in that I put, actually put the Ravens one, uh, Browns two, Steelers three, and Bengals four, which kind of surprised me. Um, for, I guess when I was looking at the, um, stuff like opposing rush yards, opposing um, rush touch touchdowns. It looks like um, the Ravens were um, the highest ranked for those. So, and and for force fumbles as well, which I found kind of surprising. So I put them at one for that. And um, the Browns, they were, I think they were second for opposing rush yards. They were third in sacks, which also surprised me. Um, they were second in forced fumbles. They were first in combined tackles. And uh, for the Steelers, I think they were third in opposing rush yards. They were second in opposing rush touchdowns. Um, their sacks were actually really low, which, again, surprised me as well. But I think their combined tackles, they were second and they were third in um, forced fumbles. And for the Bengals, um, what surprised me was um, they had a really high um, number of sacks. So I think that's, um, well, I guess one good thing that um, you can credit the Bengals for. Yeah, um, actually those totals surprised me as well. I thought like Pittsburgh would just be all over the board there, but I guess not. Um, yeah, so definitely Pittsburgh needs to make sure that um, what they were doing in the first half of the season, I guess maybe they need to um, project that over a full season. I, I think they, they might have dropped off a little bit in the second half. So, uh, Terry, let me just move to you now for front sevens. You know, sometimes the analytics don't really, like, prove what the eye usually does, if you get what I mean. Um, honestly, I think I had for the front seven the Steelers at one – uh, the Ravens at two, Browns at three, Bengals at four. With the front seven of the Steelers, I mean, you don't really need to say that much. Devin Bush did miss a majority of the season. Let's not forget that. And then plus, they didn't have the official bye week, which, you know, that takes a toll on teams when you don't have that bye week in general. 
Uh, secondly, I got Ravens. It's kind of like a 2A, 2B type of thing with this division when it comes to the Browns and the Ravens in the front sevens. Uh, Khalidus Campbell, Brandon Williams, and Derek Wolf, they're all going to have eyes on them to improve the front seven this year. And then you got third, Javon Clowney and Miles Garrett. I mean, this defensive line is probably the major point in the Browns front seven. The linebackers, they're almost as bad as the Bengals, if you want me to be honest with you. And just to get the Bengals out of the way, I mean, the linebackers are horrible in Cincy. And then with that being said, Paul Brown might turn over in his grave eventually. Uh, they just lost Carl Lawson. And then with that being said, they replaced him with Trey Hendrickson. And honestly, I like Carl Lawson a lot more better as a pass rusher than Trey. Uh, with that being said, we do get G- DJ Reader back. And all the eyes are going to be on him since Geno Atkins left the free agency. Yeah, I think you pretty much touched on everything there. I think that, um, well, I mean, in my mind, I think that drafting uh, JOK might improve that linebacking position for the Browns. So I'm sort of projecting him to emerge as a starter by the end of the season. So hopefully that pans out for them. Um, Let's just move into secondaries. Um, I'm going to start this time. Um, I have the Ravens at number one. And uh, the reason I have them at number one is because I believe Marlon Humphrey is one of the top corners in the league. Uh, he's a shutdown corner. He can play man coverage. Uh, he's one of the best at it. I mean, they also have Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith there, three fantastic corners. And um, Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark are, are pretty decent safeties as well. So I wouldn't sleep on them. And obviously drafting Brandon Stevens, uh, they're pretty much solid all the way through. So I have them at number one. Um, For number two, I have Pittsburgh, obviously, not by much, but um, obviously Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds, they're just so solid. Um, Fitzpatrick especially, I think that he's pretty much a general out there in terms of uh, playing safety. Uh, He's one of the best defensive players in this division. Uh, I think this Pittsburgh team just overall is tough to throw against, so um, I I feel like they're going to continue to play the same way this coming season. And then I have Cleveland. Um, actually, I have the Bengals at number three. And I think I was mostly influenced um, by the play of Jesse Bates. Uh, he's emerging as one of the best young safeties in the game. Um, I mean, he's probably one of the best defensive players in this division, period. Um, and then just looking at the unit around him, uh, Von Bell obviously getting him from the Saints, um, Trey Waynes, um, and then uh, just all the other pieces that they have there. Um, obviously Ricardo Allen is not at his peak uh, level like he was in Atlanta, but I mean, he's still a decent piece adding other guys in there as well. Um, I feel like this unit will be a lot better. Um, obviously Terry talked about the front seven, not being that great, but I feel like the secondary is pretty underrated. So I will have the Bengals at number three. Then I have the Browns at number four. They did address this a little bit. Um, I know Denzel Ward's pretty much their stud at this point. Uh, John Johnson was a great pickup for them. Obviously, adding Greg Newsom uh, in the draft uh, was a great add, as well as adding Troy Hill. So um, hopefully this secondary will be better. I know sometimes that teams threw uh, deep on this team, um, and they allowed some some deep uh, scores. So uh, hopefully uh, Denzel Ward will be healthy. A guy like Greedy Williams will also be healthy. Um, guys like uh, Ronnie Harrison and others will hopefully uh, play well. Uh, there also but I, yeah I have the Browns at number four um, I guess Mete let me get to you on secondaries yeah so I agree with you uh, it's Baltimore at one you went over all the names they've got Marlon Humphrey like you said probably the best one of the best 
cornerbacks in the game, and we've had two reliable safeties. I actually won with Cleveland at two. Uh, like you said, they've got a couple new additions. You were talking about how Greedy Williams is going to come back, and uh, they're also going to get Grant Delpit back. I think he's their starting uh, strong safety, I want to say. So, yeah, I think uh, people shouldn't be sleeping on this Cleveland secondary. Uh, they're looking like a very deep unit. And then number three, I went with Pittsburgh. Uh, they lost Steven Nelson and Mike Hilton. So they're going to need their younger guys to step up and see more snaps this season. But they do have a great safety duo, like you said. And then number four, I went with the Bengals. Uh, they are improving the secondary in the last few seasons as they've been addressing the position. They've been upgrading through uh, free agency and uh, draft night, but I still think they're at number four. I know they added uh, Chidobe of Ouzier from the Cowboys and uh, the Cowboys fans weren't too happy with him, but I actually kind of like this game. He's a very uh, fast cornerback. So I think that was a good addition for the Bengals. Yeah, I think that this Bengals unit should improve next season. And um, Terry, let me get to you now on secondaries. Secondaries, easily I got, uh, I believe, Ravens at one. I think Browns at two, Steelers at three, and then Bengals at four. Marlon Humphreys, Marcus Peters, cornerstone to this Ravens secondary. We saw the play from the safeties. Easily top ten uh, secondary. Another top ten secondary in the Browns uh, with how much depth they have. I believe Denzel Ward, as you mentioned, uh, Greedy Williams, as well as additions like John Johnson the third, Troy Hill, I believe, plus Greg Newsom the second. And then you got a fringe secondary with uh, the Steelers, Nico Prince, Patrick, easily cornerstone to the secondary down in Pittsburgh. And then you got Joe Hayden as well. Um, let's not forget Cameron Sutton is going to be one of the younger talents that is gonna be hunkering down in the secondary. And then as you guys have been saying with Cincinnati, Jesse Bates the third is the man of the secondary and is one of the more talented safeties in the league. Uh, we do get help with guys like Trey Waynes and Von Bell, who has Clark Judo Smith's shoes still. And I think we've all been watching that play a million times in the offseason. So the Queen City got some help for the secondary and they do take a step in the right direction. Man's like, say Corvette, Corvette, one more time. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely like some of the points you made there. Uh, Nate, let me get to you on secondaries. So I guess the stats I looked for this one was opposing uh, QB completion interceptions and I guess interception touchdowns. And um, I think the Steelers, they were first in all three of those. So I put them at number one. Um, the Browns, they were second in interceptions and interception touchdowns, surprisingly enough. So I put them at uh, number two. And the Bengals, they were second in opposing QB completion. And I think they were third in interceptions and interception touchdowns. So put them at third. And the Ravens um, kind of surprised me because they were last in all three of the ca these categories but i don't think that really reflects how good the ravens actually are but just based on this i put them at fourth yeah i'm actually happy you gave love to pittsburgh because i feel like we all pretty much 
didn't uh, have them at number one. And Pittsburgh's actually a very good secondary. I mean, I could have had them at number one. Uh, they have a lot of solid pieces there. And yeah, I am surprised about a lot of those Ravens stats. Hopefully they can improve uh, this coming season. I think I, I definitely see them improving. Um, actually, uh, Terry, I'm going to go right back to you. Um, special teams, um, I guess, where do you see each uh, team shaping out? Uh, as we all know, not really good at special teams when it comes to evaluations. Um, Ravens at one, Browns at two, Steelers at three, and then probably Bengals at four. Uh, honestly, the Bengals have a rookie kicker, plus they have Darius Phillips as, I believe, their punt returner, kick returner, something like that, as well as Brandon Wilson, who is just specifically a punt returner on the team. And then third, Chris Boswell and company with Deontay Johnson and Anthony McFarlane. I haven't seen McFarlane ever receive a kickoff, so I don't know about that. Cody Parkley and company at second. Uh, I believe they got Donovan People jones as well as Darnish Johnson, I think. And then Ravens at one just because of Justin Tucker and his tremendous steel boot of a leg, if you get what I mean. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Justin Tucker. That's one of the main reasons I have Baltimore number one. I mean, um, he's probably one of the best kickers we've ever seen in the NFL in terms of both his accuracy, um, his uh, range. Um, I mean, you just name it with this guy. Obviously, um, Devin DuVernay as a punt and kick returner, he was really solid last year. I believe it was his rookie year last season, and he's pretty much just uh, going to keep improving. I was really impressed with him. So I have the Ravens at number one. Um, I have the Steelers at number two just because of how long uh, Chris Boswell's been kicking for them. Um, you know, he, he's had his struggles here and there, but overall, he's been very solid. Um, Deontay Johnson's one of the best punt returners in the league. He's so shifty, it's really hard to bring him down. Um, and I mean, uh, Jordan Berry as their punter. He, I mean, he's also been there for a while. He's been very solid as well. So I have to put, um, the Steelers at number two. Um, I put the Browns at number three, obviously Terry, you mentioned, um, people's Jones. He's a fantastic punt returner. I definitely um, have not seen as much of Dearness Johnson, but from what I did see last season, he was solid, whether he was playing at running back or at kick returner. So I definitely like uh, what I've seen from him there. And then for Cody Park, he honestly, it's a mixed bag in my opinion. Uh, he's had some solid starts, but then obviously we saw him choking the playoffs with the Bears. So um, yeah, it's just really tough to sort of... Um, put him in a category. So I have them at number three and then I have the Bengals at number four. Obviously you mentioned rookie kicker. I believe they also drafted a punter as well, or, or uh, at least they have another a rookie punter coming in. You mentioned Darius Phillips. I'm not hundred percent sold on him. So um, yeah, I definitely have the Bengals at number four, but uh, Nate, let me get to you on special teams. Oh, sorry about that. So um I guess I for this I looked at um, field goals made and field goal percentage as well as um, punt return average yards kick return average. Um, well, I looked at kick return total totals and I guess um, the punts for the average yards. So um, the Bengals actually were first in field goals made by one field goal, and the Ravens were second. Um, I think Steelers were third, Browns were fourth. Um, what surprised me was the Steelers actually had a higher um, field goal percentage than the Ravens last season. I was expecting the, um, the Ravens to be one in that, but they're second instead. 
And uh, I think the Bengals are third in that and the Browns are fourth. Um, I think the Ravens also had the best um, average yards for a kick return and or the best, yeah, the best yard, average yards for a kick return and the best um, total yards for kicks. And um, the Bengals also had um, pretty good um, punt return for their average yards. Uh, and the Browns had a decent um, average yards for their punts. So I put um, the Ravens one, Steelers second, uh, Bengals third, and the Browns fourth. Uh, I guess it's mainly because of the field goal percentage for the Browns. Um, it's like in the seventy, um, in the seventies, in terms of like field goal percentage, which isn't ideal for kickers. And um, I guess further uh, returning, it was actually lower than I thought it would be. So I put them at fourth because of that. Yeah, I think it's uh, something called the Cody Parkey effect. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah, Mete, let, let me get to you now on special teams. Yeah, so like Terry was saying, I'm not the greatest evaluator at uh, special teams. So I usually like to go off rankings and uh, if I can recognize their players on special teams. So I went with Baltimore at one. They were, I think they were his uh, top six special teams unit last season. And so uh, they were the highest in the division and they've got one of the greatest kickers in all, one of the greatest kickers of all time, like James was saying. So yeah, I like the Ravens at one. I went with Cincinnati at two. They were actually surprisingly a top 12 special teams unit last season. And it's not the best unit, but they're all solid at what they do. And they've got two rookies coming in to hold down their kicking spots so honestly it might even improve and then number three I went with Pittsburgh they're also a decent special teams unit but they don't have too many difference makers outside of punt returner Deontay Johnson I feel like and then I went with Cleveland at number four uh, they also ranked uh, bottom five special teams last season uh, but it should probably improve with uh, people's Jones returning their punts yeah, uh, like you mentioned, uh, two solid guys in both Peoples-Jones and Deontay Johnson returning punts. Obviously, Johnson has to just be more confident in catching the ball. But once he has the ball in his hands, uh, he's pretty tough to bring down. And Peoples-Jones also proved that as well last season. Then uh, let's just get into coaching. Um, I guess, uh, Nate, let me start with you this time. I guess, um, how did you look at coaching for this division? Um, I guess I just kind of looked at... Um what each uh, coach did as kind of the head coach. Um, I guess Mike Tomlin, um, there's not really too much to say about him. He won a Super Bowl in 2008 with the Steelers. The Steelers are a perennial playoff team, so that pretty much speaks for itself. Um, I guess John Harbaugh uh, won a Super Bowl with the Ravens in 2012, and they're also in the playoffs almost every year. Um, Kevin Stefanski, um, he was formerly, I think, a position coach for the Vikings. Um, it's his first year as a head coach for the Browns, and he already took them to the second round of the playoffs in his, in his first year coaching the Browns. And um, Zach Taylor, I think, 
he was an offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins and the Los Angeles Rams, if I got that right. He hasn't made the playoffs with the Bengals yet, unfortunately. So I put um, the Steelers uh, at one, the Ravens at two, the Browns at three, and the Bengals at four. I honestly think that you pretty much nailed everything I was going to say, and your rankings <laughs> is identical to mine. So I'll pretty much just repeat what you said. Steelers at one, obviously Mike Tomlin, there's not much to say. He's pretty much done everything. He's never had a season lower than 500. Uh, they're pretty much in the playoffs almost every year. He's won Super Bowls, so obviously he's number one. Number two, John Harbaugh from the Ravens. Um, you mentioned Super Bowl. Um, I guess just transforming this offense, moving from Flacco to Lamar Jackson, was pretty impressive in my mind. So I definitely think he should be number two. Number three, Stefanski. Uh, you didn't mention that he was coach of the year last season in his first year with the Bengals. So I'll add that. And I think that he would be higher in a lot of other divisions. It's just there's two solid coaches ahead of him. And then Zach Taylor at number four, honestly, I thought he was a good addition when they hired him, but he really hasn't panned out the way I sort of saw it. So I really don't have as much to say about him. So I put the Bengals at number four. Um, I guess from the Bengals, I'll just move on to you, Terry. And I guess where do you have coaches in this division? James, if Stefanski was a Bengals coach, I would have loved it. Anyways, um, Mike Tomlin at one, we can all agree on that. Uh, John Harbaugh, two, we can all agree on that. Stefanski at three, we can all agree on that. And four, Whoever's down in Cincinnati, we can all agree on that. Well, you know who he is. You're a Bengals fan, so. It slips my mind. I can't remember. <laughs> all right, uh, Vetti, I'll just jump right to you on the coaches. Yeah, I got the same exact rankings. Mike Tomlin at one, uh, youngest head coach who won a Super Bowl. John Harbaugh at two. I definitely liked your point of how he transformed the offense from uh, Flacco to Lamar Jackson as they're two very different quarterbacks. And so he's done a great job there. And then number three was Kevin Stefanski for me with Cleveland. Uh, like you said, he's got two Super Bowl winning coaches ahead of him. So it's hard to move him up, but he had a great first season as a head coach. And then number four was Zach Taylor for me. Uh, He's only had six wins in his two seasons as the Bengals head coach, but honestly, he hasn't had the uh, most amazing talent around him to help him out. So uh, you can't really blame him. Yeah, I think we're pretty much all in agreement. Um, I guess the way the coaches have, are sort of shaping out in this division. All right, let's just get to our totals uh, in terms of ranking all the positions. Mete, let me start with you. I guess, where did each team rank out? Yeah, so I have Baltimore at one, Cleveland at two, Pittsburgh at three, and Cincinnati at four. Um, honestly, if uh, Cincinnati finishes anywhere above fourth in this division, that's a huge success for them. Yeah, I think I can definitely agree with that. Uh, Nate, let me get to you, I guess. What was your um, a final ranking, I guess? Um, I think for final ranking, I had uh, Ravens 1, um, Steelers 2, Browns 3, and the Bengals 4th. Um, this division's really tough, so um, it's, for me, it feels like um, pretty much anything can happen, but yeah, I guess we'll just have to see what happens. 
Yeah, I think I had the exact same as you. I had Ravens at one, Steelers at two, Browns at three, Bengals at four. Um, I feel like just by looking at everything, I was surprised by the amount of strengths the Steelers had. I thought maybe Browns would have been at two, but Steelers have a lot of uh, things in place that are going to make them a strong team. So definitely we can't sleep on them. And I guess, Terry, how did yours add up? I think mine's added up a little bit different. I think uh, Baltimore at one, Cleveland at two, uh, Steelers at three, and then as always, Cincinnati at four. Any thoughts on Bengals or any of the other teams? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine it's tough as a Bengals fan. Um, Well, I guess speaking of the Bengals, let's just get to the projected divisional records um, this coming season. Uh, I'm sorry, Terry, but I'm going to go right back to you. Um, I guess, how do you see the Bengals and the other teams doing uh, in terms of their divisional record this coming season? Honestly, let me first off say by I'm surprised that I had Cleveland at two when it came to ranking uh, their players and their respective skills. But it kind of goes the opposite when it comes to the, how should I say this? The wins and losses. Uh, I had Pittsburgh at five and one, uh, Baltimore at three and three, Cleveland at three and three. And I had Cincinnati getting that one win against the Browns at five and one, surprisingly. Yeah, that's one thing about Pittsburgh is they keep the score low and they're pretty much in it almost every game. So if they get, if the breaks go to them, I feel like that they can have a good record in this division. But uh, Mete, let me get to you and just see what you have for divisional records. Yeah, so for Baltimore, I went four and two. I think they will split with Pittsburgh and Cleveland, and they beat Cincinnati twice. Uh, Cleveland, I have four and two as well. They're gonna split with Pittsburgh and Baltimore and sweep the Bengals, and then Pittsburgh four and two as well, split with Cleveland and Baltimore, sweep the Bengals, and then Bengals I think are going zero and six. Wow, that's pretty tough. I don't know whether you have anything to say to Terry about that. He at least gave them a win. Yeah, I think their last game is against the, was it the Browns? So I feel like uh, I only like uh, going, um, you know, if like the better team is playing a weak team at the end. If it's like the first place in my eyes, I'll be like, oh, they're going to rest their players, so I'll give them a win. But I feel like Cleveland will have something to play for in the last week, and so I don't think they could beat – I mean, I don't think Cincinnati could beat Cleveland, in uh, my opinion. Yeah, especially since the Browns are going to be at home for that game. Um, I guess, Nate, as a Browns fan, I guess where did you see the Browns and I guess the rest of the teams in this division finishing out? Um, I put the Steelers three and three. That's probably going to be the lowest projection you'll see anywhere. Um, I put Ravens at four and two, Browns at four and two, and Bengals at one and five. It's only because um, well, the Bengals have to get at least one win. So I thought, well, who's the division rival I don't want to win? <laughs> so <laughs> I just took one away from the Steelers and put it to gave it to the Browns. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, they pretty much have to get a win from somewhere. And in my opinion, I believe they're also going to get their win from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have that exact prediction. Bengals 1-5, and 
Their win is at home against Pittsburgh. Their losses are going to be in Pittsburgh, in Baltimore, in Cleveland, and home against both Cleveland and Baltimore. So um, that's where the Bengals are going to finish out. Ravens are going to be four and two in my eyes. Um, they'll beat the Bengals, Browns, and Steelers at home and also win in Cincinnati. And then their losses will come in Pittsburgh and in Cleveland. Um, Cleveland, I have going four and two. They'll have a great divisional record this year. They'll beat the Steelers at home as well as the Ravens and the Bengals. And they'll also beat the Bengals in Cincinnati um, and then losing to the Ravens and the Steelers away from home. Um, and then the Steelers, I also have them going three and three. Um, I felt like that the Bengals would get that win against them. Um, I see them losing all three away games uh, and then winning all three home games against their respective teams. So that sort of comes out to um, three and three. And um, yeah, that's pretty much how this division's sort of shaping out. Um, there's really not much to say other than like the top three teams, I feel like are really close to each other. And then I guess the bottom is the Bengals, um, unless Joe Burrow can sort of come back from injury and sort of take that next step. The offensive line has to improve, obviously, defensive line as well. Like, that's the thing about the Bengals that I've noticed. I think Terry can attest to this. I'll get to you after this, Terry. But, yeah, this Bengals team, they have so many holes that they need to fill and so many rookies in different places that really need to step up. I, I just can't really rely on them. I don't know. What's your opinion, I guess, on that? Honestly, I got to agree with you on that. Um, as we know from last year, they did have one of the younger linebacker and cores in the NFL. And having said that, that did show on a lot of plays where it looks like they give up on plays and then the other team just gets another 10-yard, 20-yard gain. And it's infuriating if you're a Bengals fan. And with that being said, um, everyone gets a year wiser. Everyone learns from their mistakes. Hopefully those guys from last year do improve on what uh, mistakes they have made. And with that being said, I mean, it's just one more year into the rebuild. Hopefully, if you're a Bengals fan in Queen City, you're hoping for, like, better development of younger guys. Hopefully, T. Higgins takes a step forward. Hopefully, Joe Mixon gets, I don't know, somehow finds the fountain of youth. Hopefully, Joe Burrow gets more, I wouldn't say more healthy, but hopefully he's been watching the tape and whatnot. But we all know it when you are a rebuilding team that you're going to have to go through the bumps and bruises and the growing pains. And with that being said, I mean, this is a tough division. You got the Browns with Baker Mayfield. You got the defense down in Pittsburgh, and then you got Baltimore Ravens with Sunshade Lamar Jackson. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a tough division. I guess, Nate, getting to you as a Browns fan, like what's your sort of perspective on the division, whether it's on the Browns or I guess the rest of the division? Um, I guess like everyone said, this is going to be a really tough division. Um, the Ravens, they've been uh, looking to prove that they're actually the best team um, in the division and not the Steelers. So this might be the year for them to try to prove that. Um, for the Steelers, um, I'm just not too sure about the offensive line we saw in the playoffs um, against the, the Browns. They were um, really struggling to uh, kind of keep the D-line off of them. So um, we'll have to see if they'll be able to kind of uh, repeat the first half of their last season um, for the Steelers because the second half um, didn't really go out the way that they wanted it to. So 
And I guess for the Browns, um, they've been slowly improving. Um, Kevin Stefanski's made some major changes. He's a huge step up from Freddie Kitchens, in my opinion. So um, hopefully um, they can have more success. And I guess hopefully um, OBJ is uh, fully healthy because I don't think we've ever really seen him, um, I guess, at his full potential, if that makes sense. Like his best um, stat season was his um, rookie season. And normally players develop from the rookie season, but OBJ hasn't really had a chance to show um, how good he really is. And for the Bengals, I guess you you just got to take it like one game at a time, one season at a time. They're still rebuilding. Um, The line's kind of the biggest issue. So once they fix that, I think that's going to fix a lot of things that uh, the Bengals have. Yeah. um, Like we mentioned, it's going to be tough for the Bengals. And yeah, I definitely like the the trajectory the Browns are on getting the first playoff win in like forever last season, pretty much putting up a lot of pressure against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they barely beat the Browns that game. And um, yeah, the, the Browns will definitely be much improved heading into this year. And I guess, Matty, any last thoughts on the division? I honestly don't have much to say. I pretty much agree with all, everything you guys said. Uh, I think the Bengals should be fourth in this division. And then, the other three teams, like, I feel like they can finish from one to three because they're all so good. And I feel like those three teams will all be playoff contenders. Yeah, I know heading into last season, I definitely liked Pittsburgh to win the division and they ended up winning the division. This year, it's a little tougher for me. I don't have a team that I would put right at number one. I feel like it might be between the Ravens and the the Browns, but I'm I'm not fully sold that either team is going to run away with it, like I predicted for the Steelers last year. So uh, it's definitely going to be a tougher division. Everyone thought it was tough last season. It's definitely going to be tough this year. So I guess we'll definitely have to see how it shapes out. But that's sort of the end of this AFC North preview. Um, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at FanFanPodcast. Also check the podcast out on YouTube. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, like, subscribe, share on YouTube, hit the bell for notifications, leave us a review, all of that good stuff. And uh, guys, this was a great preview. Uh, We'll definitely be back next week for another one. And we'll talk to you guys on the next episode.